worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, time to talk some high school basketball right now. We do it each and every week at this time with the radio voice of WHBC for high school football and basketball. The he's one, the, he's the guy that says pal? Pal? No, no. That's Tim Elkhorn, oh, the Cavs. Oh, that's the voice. other guy that says pow. Yeah. Arms yeah. like snakes. It's not this guy. No, okay. this guy. Okay. You hear him? Good. Okay. Uh, yeah, this guy's our guy. Bells, Dan Belford okay. joining us. How are you, Bells? Doing great, bro, man. Hey, JT. How you doing, bro? What's going on, my man? Uh, getting that time of year, coming down the home stretch and uh, heading into tourneys here pretty soon. It's. Uh, that's that, that electric time of the year. I just love it. Mm-hmm. When anybody can do anything and go as far as uh, their team can take them. And uh, we'll see how it all shakes out here pretty soon. Dan, before we get started, we had Tim Street on earlier, Ohio High School Athletic Association Director of Communications. We're talking about the changes in, in the seven divisions that we'll see next year in basketball. And I told him, he said when he was younger, he could remember four divisions. Talk a little bit about when there were only three divisions in high school hoops and what it meant to get to Columbus. Oh man, I, I tell you, that was that was a tough go. Triple A, double A, A is what it was. And uh, your triple A's were usually the the McKinleys and the Cleveland St. Joe's and the St. Vincent St. Mary's and and so on and so forth and teams down south. But it was a grind to to work your way down to Columbus. And and there really weren't, from what I remember back then, and I've been doing games back at the Fieldhouse since the seventies, is. There weren't really a lot of early round blowout games. You just had a lot of good matchups early on, with the exception of maybe game one. And it was just an intense time. Wow. It was the most fun time of the year for high school basketball. And there was nothing like going down to St. John Arena and watching everybody fill that place from small communities to big. Uh, we're starting to get there again. We're starting to see more balance, but it, we have to because communities have grown. I heard you uh, make a mention about mm-hmm. Columbus and. How many schools were in yep. Columbus in the 70s compared to now? Right. I mean, they just build a high school and name a new city wrapped around mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's pretty much it. And uh, we have to get to that point. Tim had some valid points and some really great points. And you, you can tell it was really thought out uh, the way to do it. And they're just trying to strike that competitive balance to get it back maybe uh, to what it used to be because I think we have lacked that for quite some time. Dan, they run out, they've run out of names for high schools. They're using yeah. colors now. I mean, they've used up every president you can think of, and now it's Olentangy Orange. I-, I wanted to ask you, and then we'll move on. Did you ever, you mentioned some of the, uh, you know, going back to the 70s and whatnot. Did you ever cover, or did you ever call a game that Clark Kellogg played in in high school? Yeah, the um, championship game against uh, Columbus East. Columbus East had uh, Granville Waiters on it. Wow. Uh, Kevin Castleman, who went on to have a really great career at the University of Pittsburgh. But, yeah, I covered that game. Um, that is still the all-time tournament scoring record for a single game without the three-point line and with the three-point wow. line. He had 51 in that game. Ooh. And uh, basically brought uh, St. Joe's back by himself and almost pulled it out. But Clark Kellogg, man, back in his day, he was just a freak of nature. He was a joy to watch. 
and got his team to the championship game. They just couldn't pull it out. But, yeah, that, I remember the, the sound in St. John Arena that day was just beyond deafening. You even hear yourself in your headsets. And we're sitting courtside watching that, and, and it's probably one of my greatest memories going down there. He was LeBron James before LeBron James, right, Bells? Oh, yeah, Kenny. That's well put. He really was. Um, and, you you know, you need to bring up guys like that again because the fast-paced game that we play in today in the environment, whether it's college, high school, or pro, a lot of these guys can just become a statistic if you don't remember the heritage they brought to the floor. You know, I remember Jerome Lane and, and the way that kid played. And you you think about Nick Weatherspoon and Phil Hubbard in high school and and there's so many tremendously talented young men that have come through Star County and beyond that deserve to be more than just a an index tab in the history books. We need to celebrate what they did back then and why these young men are able to do what they do today. If he doesn't blow out his knee, who knows what he accomplishes, uh, oh. you know, in the NBA with the Indiana Pacers. He was that good. Same with Austin Carr, right? Same with Both Phil Hubbard, guys. too. Yeah. Phil, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they managed to you know, get around their injuries and play. I mean, all those guys were 2010 guys, really, if they're healthy. 2010, 2015 guys. And with the three-point line, probably more than that. They were that physical, that talented, that gifted. Injuries, you know, Austin, I think, would have had like a – stellar career had he not gone down i saw him play many times at the old arena uh off euclid avenue there which was just a, a like a we're like playing your games at the star county fairgrounds that was just a dump but you got to see all the nba guys rolling man and austin was in his prime man he was such a good one and i love watching phil play in the nba spoon had a nice run with the bullets and then what clark did with indiana yeah, injuries, are, you rear their ugly head and shorten careers. But while we had them at that level, they were a joy to watch. I think Kellogg in the state semifinal that year scored 35. He had 51 in the final, and he yeah. also grabbed 24 rebounds. He had went 51 and 24 in a state final <laughs> game, Bells. <laughs> I forgot about the rebounds. You're right. Oh, my gosh. He was a beast. Uh, Granville Waiters had no answer to him. They kept putting Granville on him that game down on the baseline, and Clark was too quick. He was a quick jumper. He got off the floor at a tremendous height immediately. And Granville struggled with that the entire game, but East had enough team wrapped around him that they pulled that out. All right, Bells, let's talk about uh, our teams in Stark County this year as we're winding down in the regular season, and we'll start with tomorrow night's game. It's for the outright Federal League Championship. The Green Bulldogs, even with all of their injuries, stand alone atop the Fed right now, and they play host to Glen Oak. You guys will bring it to everybody here with the pregame at 635 on WHBC. Just your thoughts on that matchup tomorrow night. I think it's a good matchup. Um Glen Oak is, man, it, they remind me in so many ways of McKinley that they love to just go man-to-man. They love to press you. They love to trap you. And something Green has got to address if they want to be the sole of, you know, people to hold this uh, trophy this year. We talked last week, I think, in that loss to Hogan, they had 20 turnovers. Well, against McKinley, they had 17. They're struggling at that point with Antonio Martin out, even though Jared Taylor is doing some nice things. That McKinley defense last week might be the best defensive effort I've seen them do all year. Uh, they were making players take up their dribble early, which is a nightmare. Uh, they were turning picks on defense into, into turnovers and runouts. 
and that's what got them back in the game in the fourth quarter. They, Green, for some reason, was throwing into the backcourt because the man-to-man was pressuring them so much in the half. And you throw it to a spot for your guy to get to it. The problem was a kid like Jason Moody got to the spot first, and he picked it off three straight times, converted a couple. They ran him down in the fourth quarter and took him to overtime, and Green pulled it out. But they have got to clean that up against Glen Oak, and they definitely have to clean it up starting Friday night if they want to continue and make any kind of run in the tournament, because you, you guys know you can't go into games 15, 17, 20 turnovers and expect to get anywhere near the district semi or district final. Here's why this game is so huge. Green wins it, no questions asked. They're the outright champs. But if Glen Oak with Ja'Cory Lipkins, who, by the way, congratulations, uh, scored over 1,000 points now in his high school career there at Glen Oak, if Glen Oak pulls off the upset, that gives Jackson an opportunity if they can beat McKinley on Friday night, right, to get a share of yeah. the Federal League Championship. Yeah, here we go again. And, and Jackson has no easy task with McKinley in town. So you talk about a couple of marquee matchups tomorrow night. We're, we're lucky enough we have one of them on 14 Yeah, well, I want to correct myself. Both of those teams, Jackson and McKinley, whoever would win that game, uh, should uh, Green lose, then they would share the title. So a lot still to play for uh, on Friday night in the Federal League. It's fantastic. It's what we wanted to come down to at the end of the year. You're playing tough opponents, which are going to tournament test you and and prepare you uh, for the weeks beyond the season. But, man, everybody goes in with their eye on the prize and will put that trophy in their case. You know, Green last week celebrated after that after their win against McKinley by cutting down the nets, and they had a little trophy they, they posed with and what have you. But that was for a share of the title. Uh, they'd like to be able to celebrate all over again. Now that's up to Glen Oak to be the spoiler on Friday night. Let's see how Green uh, uh, pulls up the, um, the shorts there and, and laces up the uh, shoes and takes it to him and see who comes out the winner. Federal League standings right now: Green nine and two, Jackson McKinley both eight and three, Glen Oak seven and four, Hoover five and six, Perry one and ten. Lake they're done in uh, Federal League play. They've played all their games. They're one and eleven. So that's uh, what the you know what it looks like in the Federal League. All right, Bells. Let's talk about some of the other teams that might do some damage. And obviously, the team we think that could go the furthest of anybody is eighteen and two, uh, and that's the Louisville Leopards. Um, uh, just your thoughts on how far you think they might be able to go if everybody stays healthy? I think the, the sky's the limit. I really do. They couldn't be positioned any better in that uh, for D1 in that bracket. They're gonna, for a potential district run to get you to, you know, to the regionals, uh, they're going to play two home games, those two sectional games, and they continue in the districts. They're going to play 10 miles away over at Alliance High School. It couldn't be set up any better. And then if you get past that, uh, I think Medina is on their side of the bracket, which can be a big test. It hasn't been a stellar year for Medina, but, man, they bring it every year in the tournaments. And then when you go to the other side, over there you've got Glen Oak, you've got McKinley. I I, I think Cleveland Heights might be in there too. But when it all compresses and we come out of that district final, these are the teams you're going to eventually meet. But if – you, you strive for that number one seed because you want to set your table like this. Come out of two home games, get into district games on court you're familiar with close to home, and then the sky truly is the limit from there. They are as good as anybody in the state of Ohio to make a run this year. All right, Bells, besides them, 
All right, as we look at our teams uh, in Stark County, who else has stood out to you this year, or they're starting to play their best basketball at the right time at the end of the season? I think Jackson is one you have to look at. I think they won nine of their last ten, and they're winning at a good pace, like 10, 12 points a game. They had a couple battles there. I think a two-point win over Glen Oak. And the other night uh, it was a tough battle against Wadsworth. Um, Jamie Bosley's son set the uh, Wadsworth uh, record. Uh, for scoring, career scoring there. I think they're just playing some of their best ball at the right time. And, and you've seen it before, too, Kenny. Uh, Coach Sebevich sits down the stretch, tend to really find their giddy-up, and, that, and that's what they're doing again. Keep an eye on Canton South. Uh, they've been just fluctuating all year, win-loss, win-loss, lose-two, win-two. Now all of a sudden they're 12-7, and seven, and they had a big win last week over Northwest, I think they can get into the tournament. They get by the first couple of games, and there's a team that can be the upset-minded team to take you out of the tournament. Northwest is another. Uh, they're playing great ball this year. They, they're the best seed in our area for D2, and just like Louisville and theirs, they're, they're in a district where they're going to have to take on teams like Canfield, who is really outstanding with, a, I think, a 15 or 16 win season and on the other side you're you're, you're going to face teams though like i think glenville's in there bookville might be in there too and then you've got south in in, in the other northeast district in minerva and Carrollton. that is going to be a fun d2 bracket with all these um teams coming together and sandy valley is another i think 15 and 6 on the year they are playing some of their best ball and they're very dangerous it's a dangerous team and, and I think they also have a chance to get past the sectionals and, quite honestly, at least get to the district finals and see what happens from there. Talking with Dan Belford, the radio voice of high school football basketball here on WHBC. Huge game tomorrow night for you on the radio. Glen Oak at Green, 635 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off. And then uh, the following game that you'll have on the radio, Glen Oak at Maslin. What about the Tigers and where where they're at? They started off great, and then they kind of came back to reality. But uh, uh, I'm looking at their record right now, Bells. I think they're 12-7 and seven heading into uh, this weekend and then that game on Tuesday night. I really held high hopes for them in the second half of the season, too, because that first half uh, went so well. By They've lost four of their last six. The two wins were against opponents they blew out, which you should blow out. They just weren't that level of competition. But the four they lost, uh, they lost by an average of 16 points per game. They're just having issues finishing. And they've been giving up points in the third quarter which has put them in that deep hole going into the fourth. It's everything to be corrected, but now you're running out of time to correct it. And you're going to take on a very good Glen Oak team on Tuesday. And you talk about those games where you use as a, a propellant or a ramp into the tournament to kind of evaluate what needs fixed and what's good. That'll be a very key game for them, how they show up, how they play. They play very well at home, and it's a, it's a, a highlight game for them to really see if they're going to have the confidence going into the first week of the tournament. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We're hoping for a deep run from one or two of the teams, and uh, we'll have it covered for you either on WHBC Radio or uh, WHBCSports.com. In fact, Tuesday night I'm going to join Billy Beebe uh, and Bob Jeffries. Yeah. Uh, we've got Jackson taking on Medina in a 
a good non-conference game to get everybody ready for the upcoming tournament. We'll have that one for everybody on whbcsports.com. So uh, when it comes to hoops, uh, this is the place to be. And uh, Dan Belford and Denny Kincaid will call the action. Yeah, we look forward to it. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend of ball, a nice finish to the season next week. And let's roll it out there and tip it off for tournament time. Sounds great, Bells. Thanks so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you.